I'm not very good at saying thank you. Uh, it's something I have to work at. Um, not because I'm not grateful, it's just what I say instead of thank you is you shouldn't have. Uh, but I've, I've never once had anybody in that situation whenever they do something for me and I say, oh, you shouldn't have. I've never once had anyone say, oh, well, th- you know what, that's a good point. Give it back. Um, that's just sort of my way of say, acknowledging this is a thing I didn't earn. I don't deserve the thing that, I, that you gave me because I didn't earn it. And maybe there's something deep in me that, makes me that makes me believe that I have to earn everything I get. Uh, I, I might guess that it might be how I was raised a little. My parents were great, but I grew up in a particular church tradition that made it feel as though you could lose your salvation at any second. So much so that there were arguments about whether or not whenever you got hit, if you died by getting hit by a train and said a swear word right beforehand, would your soul be spend eternity in heaven? Um, I think if you get hit by a train and a bad word doesn't slip your lips, you get immediate sainthood. <laughs> I think that's true. That's a scary situation to find yourself in. Um, but we have, um, I have a tendency at least to feel like I've got to earn everything I get. And so I will say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have done that. Um, oh, y'all shouldn't have, y'all didn't have to do this. Letting people know, I know that I didn't earn this. And a lot of times I just need to say thank you. Um, that's been that's been tough. I've been preaching now for decades, and ever since I was thirteen, not really. Uh, that's how it, how long it'd have to be for it to be actual decades. Um, but I've been preaching for a while, and every every um, time you preach, you walk to the back, and people walk out, and they tell you things, they tell you compliments, or they tell you, I'm not sure what to call it. It's not insults, but it's something. <laughs> And they say, like, you're going to make a good preacher one of these days. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> at, at that point, I should, oh, you shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. Um, but I'm, it's not that I'm not grateful. It's just I recognize that I didn't earn it. We do this in our regular life. Maybe you do this. Someone will do something for you, they'll have you over, they'll um, buy you a present. Have you ever gotten a present from someone on your birthday that you didn't expect to get a present from? Like another adult? Oh, man. What's your first thought? Guess I gotta get them something for their birthday. Um... They have you over, you drive away, and it was nice. And you'll say, that was nice. We should have them over soon. Why? I think part of it could be that they were that you had a good time. But there also there's part of us that we, ha- we feel like we have to repay things. We do not like being in someone's grace debt. 
And we feel like we have to earn our place at the table. And then if someone's doing something for us that we don't quite deserve, sometimes we don't even accept it. I think Peter wrestled with the exact same thing. I think there's this moment in Peter's life that if we look into ourselves, investigate ourselves just a little bit, we will see that we connect with that. And we need to live a certain way and respond a certain way. And Jesus tells us exactly how to respond. But we'll be in John chapter 13. They've lived their whole the whole, whole book of John up to this point has been over a period of about, um, about three years. And from 13 to the end of the chapter is a period of, a, um, well, to, toward the end of the book, from here to the crucifixion, it's a period of about two or three days. These are very important days. And Jesus is having His last meal with His disciples, with His friends. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning to God. He knew, now this is a weird thing, He knew God had given Him all authority. Everything was under His authority and He knew that He was coming that he had come from God and that he was coming to he's going back to God. So, this is what he did. So, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, for us, this is awkward. We don't do this. Why? Because we don't have to do this. It's not a need. We wear shoes, some of us. But in that time, they had sandals and they had, um, they had so much sand that they walked around in. And let me just be frank, the sand wasn't the worst part of washing feet. There was also camels in the street. Yeah. So much so that washing feet was the worst job a servant could have. That's entry-level servant stuff. You, you cut your teeth by washing feet. And someday, whenever a new servant comes in who gets the lowest of low jobs, you get a different job. But if you are the foot washer, you are the least respected because your job is the worst. And Jesus goes in, gets up from the table, knowing all authority had been given to him. He gets up from the table, he takes off his outer garment, he wraps a towel around his waist, he fills a basin full of water. Notice, this isn't how, this is how I would serve. I would say, you know what, I'm going to wash people's feet. Um, excuse me, somebody go get me a basin of water. I need a basin of water and a towel, stat. He gets up and he prepares this, the act himself he gets on his knees and he washes their feet and dries them 
the reason this is uncomfortable for the disciples, the reason this is difficult for the disciples is that the disciples had been following this guy as a rabbi, as a teacher, as someone they called Lord. On a, three years they've been following him. He's the respected one. He's not supposed to be the one who's on his hands and knees washing the sand and other things off of their feet. But he is. And he gets to Peter. And Peter acts like me. Gets to Peter. And Peter says to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Um, now, this is, a, this is a tough sentence to understand because um, every other language um, in the world um, is, an actual, is a, a word language. And I'm not, these aren't technical terms, I promise you. Um, but ours is a tonal language. Uh, so like, I come home from the grocery store, um, and Rachel says, you got, you got sodas. Which, that's an odd illustration, but anyway, she says, you got sodas. I say, yeah. Or she goes, oh, you got sodas. You got sodas? It's all in our tone. How, what our meaning almost completely resides in our tone. So I can say, are you going to wash my feet? Or I can say, are you going to wash my feet? So it's tough as for us to guess what tone, but because, thankfully, the Bible wasn't written in English, we know exactly what his tone was. Because there's word clues, little Greek words that, can't, that aren't translated into our translation, but just exist to let us know that Peter believed the answer to his question should be and would be no. He asked what they call an assumed negative. We do this all the time. Are you going to wear that? No, I just tried it on for five minutes. That's an assumed negative. He asked an assumed negative, said, are, are you, it could be translated, um, not exactly, but the thought could be translated, are you seriously going to wash my feet? You're not seriously going to wash my feet, are you? Almost appalled. Like, what, what's happening here? And Jesus says to Peter, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter could do this himself. Peter could clean his own feet. He says, you're not going to wash my feet, are you? And Jesus says, unless I... You don't understand what I'm doing, but you will. 
understand eventually. You will understand what I'm doing. And Peter says, never. Absolutely not. It's not going to happen. And then Jesus says, you've got to let this happen. You have got to let me clean you. Or you can't have a part of me. I think two things can happen when we don't develop a healthy gratitude for the grace of Jesus. And it develops itself in two ways. One, one we, we just think we've got to earn it. We think, I, I've got to earn my salvation. Jesus, you're not going to do this for me. I'm going to do it. Now, this, can, this happens in a lot of different ways, not just in Church of Christy ways, which is a verb, an, an adverb, that you might want to write down and use later. It's got dashes in it. That's just funny to me, apparently, but I'm sticking with it. It's not just Church of Christy ways. Like, I've heard, I've heard people say um, things to the effect of, you know, we are saved by grace and we can't do anything to earn it and any work, I- I- anybody who believes differently probably isn't all that saved. Do you realize the problem with that? You're still earning it with your brain. You're still earning it with correct understanding. I believe the grace of God can save people who don't understand the grace of God. I believe that people might get it wrong and they still will be covered by the grace of God. I hope so for your sake and for my sake. That your understanding doesn't have to be perfect. That your actions don't have to be perfect. That your, that, your, um, that your routines do not have to be perfect. Your theology, your understanding of God does not have to be perfect. Because God did not send His Son for just those who've got it right in their brain. God did not send His Son for just those who could clean their own feet. And we have said for too long, God helps those who help themselves. We've said that like it's in the Bible. We've quoted the Bible and said that it's not in the Bible. I pointed that out to somebody one time and they said, well, the idea of it is. I said, no, it's not. Very nicer than, much nicer than that. I said, no, it's not. I said, the idea that God helps those who cannot help themselves is in the Bible. God helps those who couldn't do it on their own. God does it for those who weren't able to do it. We should be grateful for our elevated position, but never once think through our thinking, through our routine, through our actions that we have earned it we should never we should but listen because we haven't earned it we shouldn't feel bad about ourselves it's like a child on the hip um when i hold nolan 
it's really not all that special of a thing. But uh, one time, and I didn't run this by you, Jesse, but Jesse was at our house and he was holding Nolan. And Nolan's like, I'm king of the world. He's up higher than everybody else. And it's a, it's a great thing. Like when we hold a kid and they, they, feel, they feel they're up here with us and on this level, but they didn't climb up me. I picked them up because they needed to be picked up, but I don't resent them that they needed to be picked up. I picked them up because I loved them. God elevates us, lifts us up, not because he resents us and dislikes us, and oh man, these people need it. Because he loves us and wants to be in relationship with us. And it is our, I think church people sometimes wrestle with letting God save us. But he says, unless you let me wash you, you have no part in what I'm doing. Unless you let me do what I need to do for you, you can have no part in what I'm doing. And Peter, at that point, says, okay, well then wash my head and my shoulders and my knees and my toes. And Jesus says, tap the brakes, Peter, I'm just doing the feet. It's not in the, it's in the Greek, you see that. But the, the sense is, Peter says, listen, if I need to let you clean me to be with you, then I will let you clean me. And like I said, I think God's grace can cover people who don't understand God's grace all that well. But what I will argue is not understanding God's grace will leave you with a life full of anxiety and pent up confusion, and it will inhibit your relationship with God. You won't be what God needs you to be here very often. And you won't do it very well. We need to get to the place where our faith is not something that just like earns it for us either. But it's just this acknowledgement that what God has done for me through the cross, you didn't earn the cross. You didn't earn the resurrected Savior. You didn't earn the King ascending to His throne. You're just getting in line and following. You don't earn it. And, And until we can just wrap our heads around the gratitude that we must feel for the grace of God. Until we can feel that grace in us, not that we were awful, pathetic, worthless. Sometimes that, those words are thrown around. That's not true. God does not feel that way about you. He believes you are very good. You are worth creating. But because he loves you, because God so loved the world, he sent his only son. Not because God needed, God saw the world was nasty and just worthless and they're just lower than low and they needed someone to pick. No, God loved the world so much that he gave his son and his son exalted us to the right place that we need to be in.
God picks us up with the arms that were nailed to the cross. And he holds us higher than we've earned because he loves us. But we have yet to once earn it. We've yet to once do it ourselves. We've yet to once climb the ladder. If you think you've got to earn it, I would have, I'm going to be honest with you, you're doing a bad job. And you're not going to be able to. But if you can just exist in the presence of God, live in the, the grace that He's blessed us with, that could change your life. Because that grace spills out of you. You never feel, you, you get to the place where you don't feel haughty about the fact that you've been saved. You just feel saved. You don't feel special about, you know, just better than others because you're clean. You, if Jesus will do this for me, he'll do, the, do it for you. This is the good news. Sometimes we... We, we talk about, well, we've got to spread the good news. And sometimes built into that is you've got to be like me before you can be like Jesus. And that's a problem they had in the first century. And it's a problem Paul disliked very much. Run to the outspread arms of the Savior. Let the God who loves you so much that He sent His only Son pick you up and hold you close. Never once thinking, well, I really didn't earn this. Or I really deserved this. Or I'm really worthless. Because all of that, all of that, gets in the way of the one thing that actually matters is that God wants a relationship with you. If you spend so much time evaluating the relationship instead of actually existing and participating in the relationship, you'll miss the relationship. We, do that, we can do this with our marriage. Or just anything. You don't want a friend that hangs out when you're laughing about something and just stop and be like, we're having fun. You don't want that guy around. You don't want to come in and give your spouse rose, your wife. I've tried to make it gender. Don't give your husband roses. Um, chocolate, beef. That's what men want. You, you don't come in with a dozen roses for your wife and say, here you go, wasn't that romantic? You ruined it. Like you're, you're evaluating the relationship instead of existing in the relationship. You can't ask of a relationship, are we having fun now? Or did I deserve this? Do you like me? What did you, you can't keep asking that or it ruins the whole thing. So what God calls us to do is to be with Him, to be present with Him. And I feel like sometimes we get so caught up in whether we earned it or whether we're doing the right thing or whether we are, I'm just pathetic and worthless, God. You don't deserve me. It's like, just, like if my, if my child did that on a regular basis when I'm like, come here. She's like, I can't earn it. I'm like, I don't care. Come here. 
I love them. I want to be with them. God feels that way about you. And if we, if we can't have a part of Him if we're not in relationship with Him. Do not feel like you need to earn it. Do not feel like you're worthless. Both sides are ditches on this road of following Jesus. Follow Jesus. Allow yourself to be picked up and redeemed. Allow yourself to be saved by the blood that was shed for you on Calvary. Allow yourself to be loved like God wants to love you. And let it wash you. We believe that the, the, the we believe that the New Testament teaches that the beginning of your walk with Jesus, it's your your day where you say, I am following Jesus, is the day that you unite with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection through the act of baptism. And we believe that from that point, you are united with Jesus. And, that, and one, of the things, one of the things that's said about that is often, well, that's a work. You're earning it. It's not a, it's not a work. It's an act. It's like, if, it's like I go through the wedding ceremony... And someone comes up to me and said, wow, you really earned Rachel there. I didn't earn her. This act just united us. But the fact that she wanted to be united with me was grace altogether. It's the same way with when we are united with Jesus, it's still grace. Whether it's through baptism or um, however it is that people talk about being united with Jesus, there's no way to do it without a work, without a prayer, without a, a saying, without a, a, a reading, without a baptism, without a nothing. We're all doing something. We believe at the, mom, the moment you are united with Jesus is what the Bible says when you're united with Jesus. We believe that when you are united with Him in baptism and death, burial, and resurrected, you find a new life that you have not earned, that you have not worked for, that is completely and totally grace. And our call to people today is not, like some of you think, well, I'm not ready, I'm not ready to be a Christian. And listen, this is a, another word you might learn, phooey. Of course you're ready to be, is that a British swear word? Did I just ruin something? Okay, I don't know. Of course you're not ready to be a Christian. Of course you're not good enough to be a Christian. Of course you're not like, of course you don't have it perfect. People in here who have been Christians for, for 20 years don't have it perfect. That's me. I'm running on 21. I still haven't got, I'm, I'm a legal Christian adult. And I don't have it right. You're not going to have it right and wandering into the process. 
maybe you don't think that you're ready to be a Christian, but Jesus thought you were good enough to die for. Jesus thought you were worth dying for. He loved you enough and he loves you now. So the question isn't whether or not you're good enough to be a Christian. It's the question is whether or not Jesus is good enough for you to follow him. And I would, of course, say absolutely. Because your other options are just not going to get up from the grave the same way. You have been offered a gift by someone who loves you. Accept it. Unite with Jesus this morning. Turn back to Jesus this morning because the news really is good. It really is good. And it can't be earned. And you're not worthless. You are loved. That whole discussion we have about whether it's earned or whether um, you did anything assumes no relationship. Because in relationships, you don't earn relationships. You just love. You're not constantly figuring out, trying to figure out whether you're doing enough. or do, You just love and they move forward and they grow over time. The question is not whether you're good enough. The question is whether Jesus is worth following. And that's a question that each of us have to examine today. And whether you've never given your life to Jesus or whether you've given your life and you've just completely taken it, like you just, you live your own way. You're definitely not good enough. But Jesus is definitely worth following. If you want to unite with him today, reunite with him today, please come forward while we stand and while we sing.